I'm Talon Stradley, and you're listening to The Whole Way Through, the show where we listen to the entirety of a musician's album and then sit down with that artist to talk about everything that went into creating that collection of music. Don't ask what kind of music is a long name for a musical act, but it immediately caught my eye. They were playing as the featured artist at the SOM open mic in downtown Long Beach, which, by the way, is an amazing open mic if you ever get the chance to go. That night, I saw a peculiar and engaging performance by Cooper Carrasco. He had himself, a microphone, and a sampler. And I loved his music so much that I knew I wanted to play a show with him. So, I made my own show, in my backyard. One of my roommates isn't a huge music person, and he planned on just staying inside on his computer instead of out in the thick of this DIY show. But then, don't ask what kind of music came on. My roommate later told me that he really enjoyed the performance, and the other members of his online video game team did as well, as they listened to the music filtered through a gaming headset microphone. When I had to pick an artist for this first episode, I knew I had to choose Don't Ask and their album 20-something Teen, released just a few weeks after that backyard concert. So let's give a warm welcome to Don't Ask What Kind of Music. Hi, I'm Cooper from Don't Ask What Kind of Music. I started this project about a year ago, or at the beginning of 2017, really. Uh, in June, I released my first full-length album, 20-something Teen, and today we're going to listen to it. Now, if you're already familiar with Don't Ask What Kind of Music's album, 20-something Teen, or you just want to move right through to the interview, then you can press your skip 30 button approximately 56 times at the tone, or you can slide over to around the 30-minute mark. But I encourage you to give the album a listen, especially if you haven't heard it before. A lot of work went into creating this, and it is a real joy to listen to. So, without further ado, there's the tone, and here's 20-something teen by Don't Ask What Kind of Music.
fish should I look up to? Uh, I don't believe they have their shit together. Uh, well, everybody acts like they know how life works. Uh, but it's a catastrophe. Uh, Can't you see? Uh, Can't you see? Look around.
Anxiety with exercise, exhaustion with tea, sprinkle with nicotine, and extinguish it all with alcohol, a cocktail of casual crutches. I'm like the old lady that swallowed the fly. Luckily, it has no control of my life, but it certainly has consequences. See, day to day it functions, but over time, it grinds. Well, here's something funny. Here it is. A lot of people are aware of mental illness, okay? But the worst guy in the room, that's the one that's like, everybody's already aware. Why raise awareness? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everyone is aware of their own problems, but are often very unaware of those of others. And if you are one of those, odds are you don't know. That's the problem with awareness. Did it cost you?
You're gonna be mad. 
Listening to the whole way through on 99.1 KLBP Long Beach Public Radio. And today we're sitting with Cooper Carrasco to break down his album, 20 Something Teen. Thanks for having me. Really excited about this. Tell us a little bit about the album's conception. Yeah, well, initially I wanted to record the whole album as a live performance that I was going to do with a drum machine, a bass, um, a keyboard just those limited uh, instruments that I had. They're pretty vintage, so they weren't even really programmable in the way that newer equipment is. I never really got to the sound that I wanted with that setup, but I did do a lot of recordings that way just to try. And then I ended up 
doing some more modern production techniques later on and uh, not really focusing just on the live performance and more so focusing on creating a recording using some of these sounds that I really enjoyed. What were some of the first tracks that you wrote for the album? Hmm. Well, it mostly started on my iPhone, just recording in my notes. That's where a lot of it lived for a long time. It basically started uh, one night in the middle of the night. I kind of just, I had the saying 20-something teen in my head. And uh, I actually wrote down like, there's a long process. I wrote down like a lot. I basically wrote down a much longer album, which I bas- I eventually made, but I-, I cut it down a lot before I put anything out. Basically, since I was using the drum machine, most of the names were like heavy metal or fast rock or keys 16, 12, beat tw- two or whatever, <laughs> uh, sticks and beat. Uh, I see sleepovers is really early, really early on. And that was a lot different. Yeah, that's 8, 27, 17. So really, like, what I wanted to do was to take this drum machine that I had. It's the Yamaha DD5. I'm just really listening to that, listening to the drum machine and what I liked about it and kind of treating it like a person, bringing their input to the table. I really kind of sat around with that drum machine and listened to its beats, and I worked with adjusting the tempo of the beats and everything. I mean, I spent, like many hours with this like to the point where I did have like a weird relationship with this album it's intense it wasn't just like fun I've, I've made a lot of music that's been really fun like and I've just done it and it's fun but this was like one of those yeah, personal that, investments yeah. yeah you want to sit with a little bit more and actually yeah. really craft yeah. and perfect so I really wanted to get all those songs I wanted them to exist like in my mind and in my world and I wanted to sing them and like feel them for a long time before I even recorded anything. How long were you sitting on these tracks before you actually started recording them for an album? So I have, I think I have the original note when I started this too. I believe it was October. I know initially I thought I was gonna have it done really quick, mm-hmm. like in a month, but it ended up taking like over six months. It's saying August 3rd, 2017, for my note. And as I understand, you used only the drum machine, keyboard, and a bass that you found at a swap meet slash guitar center, correct? Yeah, yeah, so the bass is guitar center. It's a nice bass, a modern bass, a Fender precision bass. But the drum machine and the keyboard are both very vintage uh, machines that I just got at the swap meet for maybe 20 bucks each. Not really knowing how they were going to sound, just kind of attracted they, they both kind of uh, similar aesthetic now your music is all over the place what kind of influences did you have uh, writing the album I mean there's a lot a lot of people and that's kind of where the diversity in uh, the sound comes from is the m- many different influences I would have on these there's one album that inspired me for this album a lot in a really indirect way because the music itself didn't inspire it so much but it's um, Cheetah by Apex Twin. Okay. Have yeah. you listened to that? Uh, I haven't listened to that one specifically, but I'm yeah. aware of, of his influence on it. There's something about that one. Um, it, it It's based off of apparently a difficult-to-use synthesizer hmm. that, um, like, I don't know. I, I've just read the maybe the description on Apple Music or something, but it said that people basically hated this machine, and 
he kind of took the sounds from it and tried to make something from it and i that inspired me because like uh at times i i wasn't so sure about like using this drum machine it didn't really feel like human enough or loud or hard enough it, it just it felt really rigid at times but i kind of stuck to it for just an emotional reason like like i compromised on how it really sounded because of how i felt like what i wanted to do yeah it's a, is, it's, it becomes a collaboration almost with your instrument right because yeah, you're, exactly. you're working with something that you can't get the exact thing that's in your brain yeah. out so this thing has to fill in the gaps and its limitations are bringing in a whole new sound to the album yeah. that you wouldn't have been able to get yourself yeah that's the thing is like we we have so few limitations when we're working like in logic or in pro tools yeah um so it's kind of it was cool to me to have limitations i guess and that's kind of why i got so fixated on the the drum machine and even when i would get there were days where i was like i'm gonna kick this drum machine out of the band you know <laughs> like i can't do it with this guy so were all of the drums programmed or did you manually play any of it through the machine not like none of it analog or real time like wow. it's very and the other thing is uh, most of it like any like changes and stuff like beat changes or like pauses and stuff i would do manually like during the recording process like i would lay down oh, okay. the i would record the drum machine and the bass at the same time and i would press pause on the drum machine while i did like a bass part and then play again did you put a lot of thought into the track order of the album yeah 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 a lot into that there's a lot of songs that didn't make the cut for the album that would have been in there so i subtracted a lot out of it and then i made changes after i subtracted so but for the most part i knew with the song 20 something teen it's heavy there was another heavy song but i knew i had to put that at the beginning because i just you gotta get their attention you gotta kind of kind of <laughs> i never thought it was like the strongest a stronger one even but i didn't want it to come after people had already relaxed into like the album if they were gonna like mm -hmm. be sitting into it i didn't want to just hit them in the middle with like some really loud thing like i wanted it to be like like we you, you do that you get something hard and then it ends and then you go into like that mellow like the beginning of afraid yeah with the, the yeah. echoey bass and stuff and it's kind of like okay okay there's going to be a story here kind of thing and then Chill i basically out. knew like the more stripped down ones like do it for and flipping burgers just i wanted them smack dab in the middle you know spotlight on me kind of thing yeah yeah and then uh i don't know everything else pretty much fell into place and i knew i wanted summertime at the end I like would not change the order at all. Oh yeah, I think I think it's a phenomenal order. I think uh, you did a really good job of uh, you know letting us have those ups and downs. You know where you start with twenty something teen, which is this big, you know punchy kind of song. Go into the mellow afraid. Even uh, the second half of afraid picks up much more into kind of a little bit more dancey kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which rides right into cocktail, and the entire album just has this ebb and flow, even within the songs themselves, mm -hmm. of really chill, nice mellow kind of stuff, and then some really fun, uh, exciting stuff tacked on there as yeah. well. Yeah. One thing to note is a uh, cocktail. I did basically after the whole thing was done. I did cocktail with one of the early, early session, like recordings that I had done where I was recording live with the drum machine. And then I just threw, I wrote the vocals really quick, like words for cocktail that I wrote that in like a minute and then just spoke it over for the first try over the instrumental. And it was, yeah, I think that song 
That song was a was a hidden gem for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, where I listened through the album the first couple of times, and you know, some of the stuff that I had heard before, like uh, like Afraid, Twenty Something Teen, yeah, uh, Sleepovers, that stuff stood out. And then upon like the second or third listen, some of those uh, deeper cuts, if you will, kind of yeah. started to come to the surface. And Cocktail was the one that that stood out the most among those. Where I just yeah. went, wow, this is a this is this is a good song. You know, both instrumentation wise with the with just the jazziness to it, yeah. and then even just the the rawness of what you are presenting and the issues that you're bringing to the table. Yeah, at first it definitely felt like an interlude, and then later I went back and just like, yeah, this feels like a song. What is iconoclast? Well, an iconoclast is yeah. like someone who um, disagrees with popular beliefs, kind of. Okay. Um, I think. I think that's a good way to describe it. The other thing is I, I had laid out like a bunch of icons that I wanted to associate with the album. Like that's kind of how the album art comes along, like the icons. Yeah, which which icons? Can you go through and maybe describe some of the icons that you chose for that? Um, well, I got the camera, which actually comes from a song that didn't make it onto the album called To Make It. <laughs> didn't make it on the album. It's called To Make It. <laughs> Um, and then the, there was a line in there that's saying, like, we have our own cameras and microphones. Um, so there's the camera and the microphone. Uh, I'll start, I'll keep going with the ones that weren't, didn't make the cut. There's a power cable in there for a song called The Power's Out, which wasn't in there. It was another heavy one. That was the heavy metal beat slowed down. There's video games. Um, so a sleepover reference, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> sleepover for sure. I forgot for a second there. There's an airplane, afraid of flying, afraid... Uh, there's a spatula, flipping burgers. At what point did you actually put the album artwork together? Really, at the at the end, basically. Um, I messed with the... There's a, a light box in the middle with the text on it. Yeah. I bought that light box from the 99 cent store and started taking a lot of pictures of that and manipulating it. Uh, and I same with the keyboard and stuff. So I made a lot of other art, but that final art that I used, I made it at the end, basically. And you decided to keep on all those other references to the past songs. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was uploading different versions of the album to DistroKid, the distribution platform that I used to put it on. And uh, I had all those songs on up until like the last minute. I kept like, I would upload it and like send it to iTunes and then like delete it and then upload a new one. Out of the songs that made it to the album, which one was the hardest to record? Afraid. Afraid? Yeah. There was originally distorted bass like throughout the whole song it was like like would that be like right um and then it's like basically towards the end i just like couldn't stand the way it sounded and threw in that sparse bass track the boom boom like boom 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 whatever like um the clean bass too instead and it's not like driving like it was before it wasn't um I made that confusing because I said a different song name. Do you want to talk a little about performing this music live? Because I know you have a super awesome and engaging live set. Well, yeah. The first time I tried to play them, I played them with the drum machine. I brought the drum machine, the keyboard, and the bass up on stage and tried to play it with it. But I felt really like um, like I was struggling to get to all the different instruments because mm. like the drum machine, it's not really like... If I had a foot switch for it, it might be a lot better, but taking my hands away from the bass to press on the drum machine got kind of weird. Yeah. And I didn't feel in it, so I had already bought uh, the SP404SX, 
And I started using that for the live performances, and it feels a lot better. How long have you been performing live? Well, I've only really been performing during the year 2017, really. Or I guess at the end of last year, too. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, basically, right when I started conceptualizing the album and started working on it a lot, yeah, I got asked to play a show by my cousin. Uh, he's in a really cool band called I Hate You Just Kidding. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, they're freaking awesome. I, I love I love them and love watching them perform, so I was super excited to play. And, yeah, it kind of got me... Once I played the songs, I was like, taught me a lot about the songs. Yeah. I wanted to make a lot of changes after that. But but uh, like I said, I had just kind of gotten out of a band. Mm -hmm. So I had maybe just not played a show for a little bit since playing with that band, which was, yeah, I was bummed to not be playing shows. Yeah. So, so you're with a band uh, that didn't work out. And then kind of at the same time that you start conceptualizing this album, you start playing shows. So the, the music really evolved with, with your live shows, right? Yeah, yeah. You're listening to The Whole Way Through on 99.1 KLBP Long Beach Public Radio. Do you have any other interesting stories from the recording of your album? I guess one thing that's kind of interesting is there's a song, Summertime. It's about working. And I recorded eight hours worth of takes of that. And I thought that that was really interesting because <laughs> it's not that many performances really, though. But because I think what, it's like four minutes. So then like... 14 performances would be like an hour or something like that. Yeah. And so I did just eight of those, eight times 14. <laughs> I did a lot of performances, but it, I like performing songs over and over and over and over. Yeah. You know, like it's... That's that's over 112 times, or that's exactly 112 times. <laughs> Is that really how many times I did it? Yeah. I did have eight hours. Maybe, the, I mean, there might have been some breaks in between too, but... Yeah, like on the actual master file, it's like hour eight is oh, wow. where like I think the the final take was really like an hour seven or something like that. So you you would just play them back. I would to just back play to back, to back, back to back to back. Yeah. What was the editing that like? <laughs> well, there wasn't much editing. I just selected the one that I liked best, and so you listened back through eight hours of. <laughs> uh, I see. Like I would listen back to the a few hours one weekend, and then come back to that track, and then or come back to that master file. And record more. Wow. So, like, I just kept coming back. So, I wouldn't... And I color-coded them, too. So, it would be like, this is the green weekend, and this is the red weekend. Yeah. Where I played it. And, like, again, I would just play this over and over and over. And changed it a lot during that. That's very impressive. <laughs> I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I don't think it made it better. I think one thing I took away from this album, which is really funny and interesting... Um, it was a super enjoyable experience for me, but like, um, I kind of thought this analogy, like you can spend a long time on a cake and it, it's probably not going to be any better than a scrambled egg that you could make. Um, that's kind of what I feel like I did here. I, I, I messed with all the details and stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, wait, never mind. I don't know. Because it turned out exactly how I wanted it to turn out, pretty much. No, it did pay off. I, I'm, I'm happy with it. I think it paid me off more than it paid off the album itself, but still. Where do you see Don't Ask What Kind of Music going from here? I have some ideas. I have some ideas. They're more instrumental stuff, for the most part, right now, has been going on in my head. Um, 
but there's a good chance that I will put out more music with a different name at any oh, given okay. moment. Yeah. Um, because I like this. I like this where it is right now. Maybe something called 2020, because that's coming up, and that's going to be weird. That it's going to be the year 2020. That's weird. One thing that you did that I really enjoy, both in the music I create and the music I listen to, is on 9-23-2017, where you have the vocals super far back and a little muddied by the music, so you really have to lean into it to kind of hear it. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I'm I'm really uh, fascinated with levels of vocals and, yeah. like, how much it changes the song. And uh, another thing that's pretty interesting is uh, when the vocals are really loud, how it sounds like it's a giant creature like much bigger than the music like if you're wearing headphones yeah. and you close your eyes like you almost get that impression that it's like this giant voice head creature monster and like how different like 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 rock and punk sometimes some of the older stuff the vocals are like super quiet yeah uh, even when the singer was loud too they would bring the vocals really quiet um i don't know and i just like playing with that for whatever dramatic effect i can get yeah there's so many reasons to do it I, I'm trying to think of the exact reason why I would have done it there. <laughs> I think it was just I didn't want to give too much yet, like not too much voice, just kind of a, a warm up period. A little prologue kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, because I think people have so like they've already decided whether or not they're gonna like the album based on the album art, like when they're listening, yeah. and, and long before they listen to the first track. So I always want to like throw it off with the first track, like trick them and I, I, that, that's kind of why the next track is hard too um, and then finally you get some like pretty singing on Afraid yeah but like yeah I think I just wanted when I make the vocals quiet it's because I want you to listen closer so I yeah. guess when I 923 when I put the vocals quiet I want you to be leaning in so that <laughs> hits you harder you have the song Flipping Burgers on the album have you ever actually flipped burgers? I haven't. I worked in a restaurant for a long time. Okay. I'm pretty passionate about people not taking the whole job career dynamic seriously. Yeah. I think that as a society, we should just reject that narrative. This whole have a career or hate yourself for not having a career thing. Yeah. Like life is hard enough just to get the right nutrition and to stay healthy. God, Yeah. And we're going to, like, tack on the fact that, oh, human resources isn't as prestigious as C-level executive or something like that. I don't want to be involved with that. And, yeah, that's really what Flipping Burgers is about, obviously. What kind of car do you have? Well, I do have the Saturn View that's on the cover. Yeah. I do have that. That's my gas car. And then I also drive a Nissan Leaf mainly just uh, to work and stuff. Whenever, whenever you think of your song "Driving," which car are you in? I'm in the the view. That's the view. for sure. The one that's on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, when I think of driving, I, it's it's distance driving. I don't really like driving around a city that much. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike it, but I drive super slow and I just am mellow. But the song "Driving" is like that's me on the freeway. That's me on the highway. That's me when it looks like you're on a treadmill almost because you're just on so much freeway, you yeah. know, long highway, and it's just... Flat and just, just consistent. Super Nintendo driving game, you know? Yeah, like, ooh, yeah. yeah. Billboards coming up on your yeah. left and right. <laughs> that's the that's the feeling there for me. Is summertime your, uh, your favorite season? Um, 
It pretty much is, but I'm also totally a pumpkin spice latte girl. Oh, really? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a sweater weather hoe. I get excited for fall, like anybody else. You yeah. know, like, you know, so many people are like, oh my God, fall, I can't wait for it. And I'm the same way, but I'm also the same way about summer, so. By the way, I think Sleepovers is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, Sleepovers. It's a good one. Sleepovers is kind of, um, it's an ode to the pop punk music that I grew up on. Oh, really? Yeah. Like pop punk emo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Taking Back Sunday, uh, even the ending where I'm kind of like yelling, you know, we're all out having sleepovers. It's kind of inspired by those old pop punk chants. Yeah. You know, the chanting. It's really cool. I'm actually, uh, one of the concert ideas that I have, uh, that I would love to organize is basically a sleepover concert. Yeah. So you go and you start off with just some like really f- pumped stuff, right? Yeah. Some like hardcore or like really dancey to get everyone up on their feet. And then just as the night goes on, you just slowly get more and more mm. mellow until the last people are just doing like lullabies and you get yeah. everyone to bring, you know, sleeping bags, blankets, Dude. pajamas, and you literally spend the night there in the venue. And then that's you like wake my... up and you just head on out in the morning. That's my dream event. Yeah. That's, and... that's my goal for like the rest of this year. And next year is like organize more events. Yeah. And yeah. do things like that that are super out of the box. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think I'm gonna really sidetrack this, but like, I think we have this weird culture with uh, a lot, like a lot of music and a lot of other thing like arts and business and everything, where we're like too competitive and too focused on pay attention to me, like come to my show and pay attention to me. Uh-huh. Like, whereas I really want to build these community experiences where every, like, as many people as possible are contributing their art form and their their energy Mm -hmm. you know to do things like like i mean a sleepover thing actually requires people to be committed yeah a lot of people like are like oh i've been out for an hour i want to go home so like but the sleepover thing is like everybody has to kind of work to bring that together and i think that's good i think more people need something like that yeah well that's i I'm such a huge proponent of curating the environment that you want people to experience your stuff in. You know, yeah. if you can bring it to that next level, then I think that's incredible. Um, at the Happy Sundays music festival that went on, there was one band, Lucy and Lemaire. Mm-hmm. And something that they do during their sets at every show that they play is they have this one kind of waltzy kind of song, you know, really reminiscent of something you might hear at you know, your school dance or whatever. And they ask everybody to think back to their first high school dance and they actually ask people to get up and get a partner and just awkward middle school dance arms <laughs> far apart to the song and so you get you know two three couples in the small little coffee shop just doing these awkward that's awesome. you know middle school dance and it just puts ever even if you're not the one doing that it puts you in such a mindset of kind of where they want you to be you know and it, yeah. it like you said it gets you committed so you're not just there watching something you're participating it is yeah. more than music it's an experience yeah yeah and that's that's i think what we need i mean i want things to be free too but yeah <laughs> i want like shows to be free for people a lot of time but i guess we're supposed to get paid or something for this <laughs> it's hard but there's a lot of people out there who uh, who are also willing to support 
you know, support yeah. the local artists to kind of... Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, buy the albums, buy the merch. You get a cool shirt out of it. They get a couple bucks to actually continue what they're doing. Yeah. And... So you thought of the name 20-something teen just out of the blue? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. That's fun. I mean, there's the word 20-something that everyone knows, 20-something. Somebody who's in their 20s. What, wait, what do you think? Have I, you I heard love, me like, talk about it? No, I haven't heard you talk all? about it. Go for it. Well, what do you, like... When what would you guess that it means? When I hear twenty something teen, I think of someone who is entering their adulthood, right? Like they're leaving college or they're growing I mean, once you hit your you know, your early twenties, like it's all just downhill from there where just every year you get more responsibilities and you're more of an adult. Yeah. But I think that um that the twenties especially are just a weird time because you're still kid at heart yeah. you don't know what you're doing you yeah. know by the time you hit your 30s you have a little bit of experience you might have some job stability but in those 20s you don't have that you yeah. are trying to figure it all out and you still have all that ambition and that excitement that you know you kind of have as a teenager and so for me that's like right at that transitory period and yeah some people might exit that 20 something teen phase at 21 yeah. you know i believe other people hold that into their 40s yeah yeah that's that's pretty much spot on. Um, and the other thing was that I did want to lean into the double meaning of the the year, actually. Like, it's 2016, oh, yeah. 2018, 2019, uh, 2017. And just kind of the, like, how crazy that sounds. To me, someone who grew up, was born in 1992, and then grew up, and then, like, you know, it, if you're at my age, you know, like, like you said, like you turn over into your twenties or whatever, and it still kind of feels like it's that that year that you when you were seventeen or something like that when yeah. you merged into like your adult mind or whatever. So just saying that it's twenty something teen, like it's twenty sixteen, it's twenty seventeen, it's twenty eighteen, it's twenty nineteen, like you know. And so then that's kind of a, a equally as much of what it means is like yeah the year and my age and like how those are parallel too. Like oh yeah. And all that's going to be out the door come 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then you'll, you know, you'll repurpose that year. Yeah, you'll, you'll which is interesting because it's definitely like an anxious album. So maybe 2020 will be clear. Yeah. <laughs> so clear visions. Uh, I guess something else is interesting is I did make an uh, Instagram handle at 20-something teen. Oh, really? And I automated comments basically asking people to... Sounded pretty sincere, like, you know, but the typical comments that you see on Insta, like, oh, it would mean the world to me if you'd listen to my music. Yeah. I just sent out a bunch of those and basically beta tested a few of the songs before I put them out to anyone. Like, I just put them out to random strangers. What were some of the breakout hits of those random strangers? It was actually the title track. Like, I got a surprising amount of feedback. I got a surprising amount of feedback from, like, SoundCloud rappers. Really? who, Who were, like... Oh, I haven't heard anything like this in a long time. You know? Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and that really kept me motivated. Um, I'm pretty weird about not showing friends or family the music or talking about it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's weird because I've done all things. Like, I've I've been at the phase of my life where I showed everyone all the time and been at the phase where I don't show anyone anything and, like, whatever I feel like I'm fine with, you know? You just listened to The Whole Way Through with special guest Cooper Carrasco from Don't Ask What Kind of Music. 
You can find his album 20-something Teen on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your music. If you have an album and you'd like to be on the show, you can send us an email at thewholewaythrough at klbp.org. The Whole Way Through is a production of 99.1 KLBP Long Beach Public Radio and Newton's Dark Room. For more information, visit klbp.org.